What's happening, folks? Welcome back to the Rotobahn Podcast. Pete D gonna rock the sure shot. Um, well, maybe not. I mean, this is a tough week. Um, it's it's not a lock week. It's not a sure shot week. It's a week where we need to dig a little deeper. We need to fight a little harder, and we really want to get to a place where we feel good about what we're doing. And if you can do that on a week like this, you got something. And uh, I've said this the last couple weeks, and really, we've talked about this really for most of the season, that it is sort of a, a broken offense kind of year. And that leads to a lot of these oblong games where the where teams are favored by 8, 9, 10, 11 points. Uh, and the games themselves aren't going to flow back and forth, but they're going to really be in the direction of one squad. And that's going to affect the way teams play offense. And it lowers passing uh, on the team that does it better. You know, So the pass volume in games are the teams that stink, not the teams that are good. Um, so where we have volume, we don't have efficiency, and, and, and so on and so forth. Um, so today, I'm going to go through the slate, and, you know, on weeks like this, where, you know, you, you really have a lot of ugly games, I think there's a tendency to just try to find things you believe in, and sometimes we get away from the things that we like to do, and I think... Uh, I can't remember who said it. I was I listened to so many podcasts this week, but somebody brought up it might have been JM um, to win. But sometimes on weeks like this, you can really get sort of caught in the weeds, just looking for plays. And what we've been doing over the course of this year, where we've been isolating games and working games, this is a great week to do that because if if we can be correct on picking the right games, we can isolate. And hit a higher percentage of our of, of our plays, um, and we can get lineups that go north, where you know some of the things that don't work, they you know a lineup. <laughs> easy for me to say. Essentially, we want to find lineups that work. We're okay if we have some broken lineups, but we want to make sure we work things correctly. So when things go right, they actually go right. And working within game structure can help, right? Because if you you know, if we if we pick Russell Wilson as our quarterback, let's take a piece. Let's grab a correlation piece. Let's work within that game a little bit. Um, I think uh, the Oakland Raider Jet game. I, you know, I I, I I know a lot of the sharps are going to be on this game. I, I know a lot of them already are just from listening around. I listen to more pods this week. I think that I ever have because I've been in a car a lot. Um, and so I know some of the sharps are definitely on Raiders Jets. I don't know that the masses will be. Uh, for those of you guys who you know are into trying to avoid highly owned players um, or at least X amount of them on a per week basis, uh, Raiders Jets may have some uh, some nice toeholds there. Um, uh, but what I'm going to do here is we're going to go through the slate, go through the games. Uh, I'll tell you what I think. I'm going to go through the plays I'm looking at now, uh, and I will try to come back tomorrow morning with a quick pod, just another one of those quick Sunday pods. Just, you know, I can't, I mean, and it's possible I won't do it because if, if literally I'm in the same place I am now, there's no point for me to just come back and go, hey guys, how you doing? Uh, I'm going to repeat yesterday's pod. Um, and I have to say, this has been an odd week. Like on, on Monday, I I woke up, I was feeling good, and where I would normally dig into some film and then, you know, going through all the stats to, to get ready for the waiver wire, I knew the pricing would be out for week 12. So I just decided to download the, uh, the main slate, take a look at it, rip up a couple lineups, take, you know, just try to get an overall feel for it. 
normally when I do that, and I, I mean, I do that, you know, fairly often, you know, usually when I've had a good week and I just really want to get back into DFS. Um, generally speaking, my initial impressions of slates are really not where I'm at by the end of the week. Generally speaking, I get off of my early ideas. This week, I, I've done a lot of preparation and it's bringing me back uh, to my original ideas, which is sort of interesting. Um, I don't know if it's good or bad, uh, but it's interesting. Um, and one of the games I was focused on from the get-go was uh, the Raiders-Jet game. And uh, we'll get to that. That's not the first game we're going to hit. Uh, we're going to start off with, um, actually, uh, really the first two games we're going to talk about are two of the biggest, I would say, three games on the slate. And really, this first game here I think might be the biggest one, Tampa Bay at Atlanta. Um, you know, I think Jameis at 6,200 and Matt Ryan at 6,700. Those are definitely, I would say, two out of the top five Q QB plays on the board. Um, I have such a checkered past with Matt Ryan. It's like I almost don't want to get involved with Matt Ryan because I don't want to screw you guys up. Every time I touch that guy, he seems something seems to go wrong. Um, I do fine when I roster his players, just when I roster him. It's like it's a history that has some history to it. Um, but you know, if you just look at the raw numbers and if you look at the price, uh, it doesn't get much better than Ryan in this spot. He's got two huge, great weapons that can win their matchups. He's going against a team that stuffs the run, plus his team can't run. Uh, so, you know, the ball's going to be in the air. The matchup is winnable. He's home in the dome. Uh, Matt Ryan really looks like a really good, strong floor play at quarterback this week. Uh, I don't think he's got the highest ceiling, but he's got the best floor on the slate. Um, and obviously, if you're going to do Ryan, you might as well just stack both of his receivers the way I see it. Um, and I will be grabbing pieces of that offense for sure. Uh, I think I'm highest on Ridley at 65K, but Julio certainly uh, is going to have a good week. Um, and then on the other side, you know, uh, Jameis is certainly in play. Uh, if he cannot get picked more than, say, once, he can really have a big game here. Um, and really, the pick percentages. I mean, he his picks cost him more in terms of raw stats uh, then they, you know, the, the the penalization for picks isn't that uh, big of a factor, but it stops drives. It takes away some scoring chances. Um, but Jameis's volume gets him there. You know, if you don't mind, you know, the fact that you're going to have like upset stomach half the day when he's getting picked off and things are going bad. At the end of the day, just sort of like last year, the volume is usually there. Um, Evans and Godwin, both good plays. I'm on Evans just because I think he's got more of that massive upside. Um, you know, I think really if you're serious about winning GPPs or going deep into GPPs, I think you need Evans' exposure pretty much every week. It's just a question of how much. Uh, Godwin, I'm a little bit more hunt and peck with. I like to see that the matchup favors him a little bit. Um, and certainly this one does. Uh, so they're really, to me, they're no bad plays. So any of the guys we've mentioned, uh, I personally would not go to either one of the Tampa Bay tight ends. I don't trust the roles there. I think there's a chance they could go back to O.J. Howard here because they don't want to lose him, but by the same token, if he's in the doghouse, maybe he stays there. I don't know. Uh, on the Atlanta side, Hooper's out. I'm not getting involved in anything else, So, uh, and I'm definitely not getting involved in any of the running backs in this game. So love the passing attacks in this game. Definitely want to get some exposure to it. Um, you know, one idea, I mean, it's not crazy, but I think Ryan's going to throw so much in this game. You could... Um, you could do a receiver block without Ryan. Like, you could play Russell Wilson with one of his receivers and then play both of the Atlanta receivers and get access to the two best quarterbacks on the slate. You could do something like that. I, I'm having trouble figuring out if I really like it, but it's it's definitely something you could do. Um, so that game, I think, is a great game. I don't think I love it as much as, like, everybody else, but I think you... You take a risk if you don't get involved in this game on some level. You know, pick the way you like it to flow the best and get involved. Um, you know, I'm probably going to spread my risk around with this game a little bit. I'll have some Julio lineups, some Ridley lineups. Uh, I'm going to have a fair amount of Evans lineups. Um, let, let's move down and talk about Seattle Eagles because this game is a little bit tougher to predict, I think, uh, than the Tampa Falcon game, where even though it's a division game, we have Arians is new to the division, which I think changes that element a little bit. Um, Seattle at Philadelphia, this may be the game that you really need to get right. 
you know, whether you fade it or play it, and if you play it how, I think this is one of the more challenging games because, uh, you know, it, you know, by the way, Tampa-Atlanta was, I think, the one game, I haven't, yeah, I think it's the one game that's got an over 50 point over under, both teams over 24 points, so that obviously is good, um, and then when you get down to Seattle-Philly, also, uh, both teams over 23, uh, Philly actually at 24, I, I don't see it that way personally, I, I, you know, I don't know what Vegas knows that I don't, and it might be something, obviously. Um, uh, you know, I guess it's the road thing. Uh, Wilson has had some some weaker games recently. I like the way this shapes up for Russell Wilson in terms of pass volume. If you read my column on EI this morning, you know he's sort of my quarterback this week. Um, you know, you just don't run the ball very well on Philly. It's a very rare thing that people go in there and run effectively. And if you're Seattle... You can go in there and, and take your plotter back, which to me is sort of what Chris Carson is. He's a good plotter, but he's sort of a plotter. Um, you know, he's a tough runner. He, he gets it done with grit, mostly. Um, I don't know how well that's going to work against Philadelphia. And, you know, if you're Seattle and that's your running game, and again, they're good at it. He, you know, he's a good back, and, and, and they can run the ball, but... You look at the Eagles, it's really hard to run. Meanwhile, they are poachable with the pass, and you've got one of the most efficient passers in the league. So, you know, the Seahawks are going to stay true to themselves. They're going to run the football, but I think it won't be as extreme this week. I think the run really will be trying to set those passing plays up. I think when they look at this, and again, you know, Carroll can be stubborn, but he's a good coach. And, I, you know, any smart football man is going to look at this matchup and realize that you're going to win the game with Wilson's arm. You may set it up a little bit with the run, but ultimately you're going to win this game with the quarterback's arm. Um, and I think that should be enough to get us to where we want to get, uh, scoring fantasy points. Now, how do we want to go about playing Wilson? Do we want to stack him? What do we want to do? Let's get into that. So, like I said, you know, Wilson really is going to be, I think, my most owned quarterback this week. I'm leaning towards him in cash, though. I haven't fully decided on that one. I may pay down a quarterback in cash depending on where the lineup construction sort of takes me. Um, but at 6,800, Wilson really isn't like way out ahead of the pack. Most expensive QB, but you know, not not by a ton. Um, I'm just double checking that. Yeah, most expensive QB. Um, so I mean, you could play Russ naked, but I don't see this as being a good matchup. I mean, sometimes that's really the way to play him. Um, but in this matchup, um, while obviously we hope he uses his wheels and gives us, you know, that foot point floor that we love, um, you know, this is a game where the outside receivers have a little bit, of, a little bit of an advantage. Lockett's got the tougher matchup inside. Obviously, ha- uh, Lockett's a little bit dinged up. So I'm definitely looking at DK Metcalf here at 6,300. I wish he was a little cheaper, uh, but. I love the matchup, and if I'm in a GPP and I'm putting Wilson in there, I you know, DK's the guy I'm going to put in there. Um, you could mess around with Hollister. If for some reason Lockett is not active, which I don't think is going to be the case, but if for some reason that was the case, you could start thinking about Flash Gordon at 4,200. Um, but for me, the way I'm looking at this game is I'm playing the, the probability um, of hitting big, and to me that's Wilson to Metcalf. Uh, getting him in there at 68 for Wilson, 63 for Metcalf. And then I want to do something on the other side of that stack. I want to buy, because if Wilson hits, he's going to have been pushed. Something from Philly is going to be working. Uh, So I want to lock in on some of the good stuff over there. Uh, For me, the primary thing is Goddard. I think a lot of my lineups are going to have Goddard at 3,700. I just don't think Ertz is superior enough to pay an extra 2,300 units you know, for the right to have him. He'll have a few more targets, but I think the fact that Goddard could be a better red zone weapon sort of evens that out a little bit. Um, and, you know, for me, I like taking the 2300 in savings and going down to Goddard unless I have a lineup build that, you know, allows me to fit Ertz in for some reason. Uh, now, Miles Sanders at 5K, I think, is in the discussion here. You could go that way. Um, Alshon Jeffrey, assuming he is good to go at 4900 units, in this matchup, not too bad. Um, but for me, the, the 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 guy I really want to get in my lineup here is Goddard because of the savings. Because I think he's got 
multiple touchdown potential in this game. Now, does he have 10 target 100-yard potential? No, I don't think so. So I think the way Goddard works for you here is that he grinds out, you know, a day that pays off with, you know, whatever it is, three or four catches for 40, 50, 60 yards, something like that, but then he tacks on a touchdown or two uh, and gets us over the line. Um, so Goddard I'm going to have a lot of exposure to this week. Um so obviously both of these first two games, I like these games, but we're sort of hoping that they both go pass, um, and I'm not really interested in the running backs, Sanders a little bit, uh, but that's really it, and I'm going to be light on him. So we've made it through two games here. We've got a lot of nice potential with quarterbacks and receivers and some tight end stuff. Uh, but running backs, really, we're still searching. Uh, next game up, there is a running back I like, um, uh, Denver, at the Bills. Uh, the game as a whole really doesn't interest me. The Denver runners don't interest me. Uh, Cortland Sutton's matchup is bad enough where I'm going to fade him. Uh, the Bills are good enough against tight ends where I'm going to be a little careful with my Noah Fant uh, exposure. Uh you know, if you are in a bind and you have a lineup you absolutely love, if you could just find a 3K receiver, in that scenario, in like that scenario only, I might play Patrick at 3K, who, you know, uh, picked up 60-something yards last week, played played a good amount of the snaps, was the number two receiver, he's healthy enough, he's going to go. Um, now, what I wouldn't do is say, hey, i got to get Tim Patrick action this week. Let's start a lineup with him. No, no, that's not what I'm looking to do. Um, but Lindsey's got a good matchup. It sounds like he has practiced well enough where he's going to be a full go. Um, on the other side of the ball, I, the, the guy I really, I wouldn't say I like him, but the guy I'm interested in as a cost saver is Dawson Knox. I think he'll get a couple more targets this week with Brown getting shadowed uh, with Chris Harris Jr. I think Beasley is another guy you could look at this week. Um, and that's really, that's really it with that game, um, for the most part. Um, Giants at Bears. I think Saquon on the Giants side is worth looking at. There's really nothing else I want to touch on the Giants side. Um, you could look at their defense, I suppose, uh, particularly, particularly if Trubisky is starting. Um, on the Bears side, I expect them to win this game, which makes Montgomery... An interesting guy at 5,500. Obviously, he was a major letdown last week in a good spot. So uh, I do think a lot of people will be running away from him if that matters to you. Uh, I think some limited Montgomery exposure in GPPs makes sense uh, due to the price. Um, and I think all the receivers here are in play. The Giants don't cover him very well. They don't rush the passer very well. Um, A-Rob, a little pricier than I like. But I think Gabriel at 4,200. Uh, in GPPs, and even Miller at 3500 uh, for the bold. Those guys have some merit. Um, moving down to Steelers at the Bengals. Bengals side, completely non-fun. I, there's nothing I want on the Bengals side save for maybe their defense because I can pay down all the way to 2100 units. Um, I don't love the defense, but at 2100 uh, against a quarterback who will self-pick, and, and who will take some sacks. Uh, you know, uh, Bengals, you know, in their home. Um, you know, and it, it seems like defenses don't like Mason Rudolph for some reason. Um, so, you know, I think there's some merit uh, as a pay down at 2100 for the Bengals. Oddly enough, the defense I like maybe just as much is on the other side of this game, the Steelers. But, of course, they're at 4K. Now, I don't know how well I'm going to be able to fit 4K into my lineups. I I haven't had a ton of success so far. I'm looking for some... I'm, I'd like to find some builds that I like apart from the 4K defense, and then I might do it, because uh, I think the Steelers are the best defensive play out there. The problem is fitting in 4K. It's not... I, I, so far, I have found it difficult to do. That's one of the things I'm probably going to be spending a lot of time on tonight is seeing if I can find some ways that I like where I can fit the Pittsburgh D in. Because at 4K against this Bengals team, they've got potential to score multiple times. <laughs> they really do. Um, dropping down... Oh, and on the Pittsburgh side, I really don't like anybody. I would like Jalen Samuels if they hadn't priced him up to the fucking moon. I mean, I have to go double-check this, but it's some ungodly number. It's... Uh, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, 72. 72? 
wow, <laughs> I, what am I missing? Um, so yeah, we're not playing them at 72, uh, even if it's trying to catch full ownership. I mean, that's just silly. Uh, but I do like Vance McDonald at 3,500 units, uh, solid price, uh, and he is probably going to get some targets in this game. Uh, Miami at Cleveland. This is an important game. This, this is a game that I definitely am going to be involved in, uh, I think, um, in a, you know, with a lot of my lineups. The, the, the question is, how do we want to play it? Because, I mean, I mean, obviously this is a strange game. So let's get into this. So the way I see this game playing out, um, you know, you've got Cleveland there, definitely going to score a lot of points here, definitely going to do what they want to do offensively. But on the other side, you've got Cleveland with some issues in their front seven. The pass rush is not going to be what it normally would be. Obviously, you've got a major player suspended, perhaps for all eternity, uh, all for hitting an asshole over the head with a helmet. But <laughs> obviously, Garrett should not have done that, and the suspension is, um, you know, appropriate. Um, but, you know, just because you do an asshole thing doesn't mean the asshole you hit isn't an asshole anymore. I think that's the important thing to understand that Mason, Mason Rudolph is a colossal douche. Um, but looking at this game, look, Cleveland's going to do what they want to do. Um, I think, you know, Odell Beckham at 7K, definitely into using him a lot. He was in my article this morning, if you, if you missed that. Um, I've actually looked at Chubb and Hunt as a conceivable player block, playing them together. Uh, I think now I'm sort of leaning on just using one or the other in a lot of these lineups. Uh, it could fade Chubb due to the money, take a little bit of a risk, and, 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 and try to go that way. There's a lot of ways you can do this. Just think about what you're doing. Make sure it makes sense within the game environment that you're projecting in your own mind, right? Um, so again, I definitely see Cleveland doing really well. I, you know, I think Baker Mayfield at 5,900 is definitely in play. GPP for me, not cash, because... The problem for Baker is that, like, Chubb could come out, run for 220 yards, three touchdowns, and Cleveland could win this game, you know, 27 to nothing or something, um, and Mayfield, you know, you know, has a great day, but just throws for 200 yards and no touchdowns, you know, uh, 18 to 22, you know, plays great, but just doesn't have any points to show for it. So uh, I'm a little bit concerned about that scenario, the blowout scenario where the ground game dominates. So in cash, I'm a little Baker concerned, but in GPPs, I like Baker a lot um, because I think it could go the other way. They could run the ball really well, but the touchdowns come through the air, one or one or two big plays, maybe what big long with a Beckham, and all of a sudden you got yourself a big day at a cheap price. Uh, so I think definitely some applications for Mayfield. Um, you know, and Landry, you know, I, I, I've got all these different ideas. None of them include Landry, and that's what bothers me because I know he's a good play himself, you know, and air quote, revenge game. So you have to worry about that. Um, so there are some concerns with Cleveland just in terms of they've got a fairly tight distribution chain in terms of where the targets and the touches go, and that's good. But Landry is sort of that outlier piece where unless you want to get him involved, he could burn you. Uh, on the Miami side, you know, I, I don't know about 17-2-5 for them, um, and it, which is one of the reasons I like this game so much, right? Um, I, you know, I think Cleveland will be pushed in this game. I think Cleveland will have to score points, again, because without Garrett, uh, and there's some other injuries in the front seven, uh, the pass rush is not going to be extreme. Um so, you know, which opens up, by the way, another potentiality in this game, which is if you allow Fitzpatrick to throw enough against a talented secondary, they could take some back, which, you know, does put the Cleveland defense in play a little bit, and it is one more way that our Cleveland offense could go south on us. We don't want defensive touchdowns from the Browns, uh, you know, unless we're <laughs> buying their defense. Um, and then on the Miami side, I think we have to consider, I'm not getting into these running backs. I, you know, you know the Laird thing is hysterical if you're on Twitter. Um, and, you know, Balage, and you're welcome, folks, by the way. Like I told you guys, don't draft this Balage guy. He stinks. Um, and boy, does he. I, it's sort of, I mean, even though I was completely unimpressed with this film, I, I didn't think he was this bad. Wow. Um, but the, the, the action that I'm looking at on the Miami side is Parker at 5,200 and Hearns at 3,300. And I think the prices are indicative of what they're worth. Um, Parker, I think, is probably positively priced by 
four, six, seven hundred bucks, something like that. He should be closer to six K. Hearns is probably worth four, a little over four. Um, so th- I think they're well priced guys in a in a game script where they should be trailing. Uh, and in a game script where they're going to be trailing against a team that's probably not going to get to their quarterback. So, you know, where while Fitzpatrick probably gets picked a couple times going downfield, hopefully none of them come back for six, I think Parker and Hearns, they should get volume. Um, so the balls that don't get picked, <laughs> you know, they'll have a crack at making some plays. And Parker's been remarkably consistent really all year. Uh, not a lot of monster games, but in terms of being a floor play. So uh, on a week like this, I think both Parker and Hearns uh, can offer us some solidity, positive game scripts. They're good players, uh, and they're I think they're you know a little bit mispriced on the low side. Um, so there's a lot of ways you can get into this game. Um, I don't think I will have any lineups that don't have a Cleveland player in them. I I, I really think I will have a Brown in almost every lineup I make. Um, and, I oh, wow, I didn't talk about Hunt. Um, well, I didn't really get into Hunt. Listen, 5600 bucks for Hunt in a game where, and I've been talking all year, they're not going to just take Chubb and put him on the side when Kareem Hunt comes back, even though Hunt is obviously a good back. And they haven't done that. What they've done is they've gotten Hunt onto the field as a satellite running back when Chubb is on the field. I mean, gosh, they were probably in the field... I, I haven't actually done the math on this, but it looked, I want to say, about 15 snaps last week. I know that's going to be in the ballpark if it's not dead on. Um, that's interesting, right? Because I think a lot of people look at Hunt as the second back. But when you look at these guys sharing field time that much, I mean, for two running, two lead backs to be on the field together that much, that's new. We do not see that very often. I mean, we really don't. So... That means Hunt is probably, I don't want to say he's underpriced, but I think he's underpriced for his ceiling. And because they Chubb can go off and Hunt can go off if they continue to use these guys in concert. And I think they, first of all, I think it's working, so why would they stop? Second of all, if they have designs on maybe keeping Hunt around, they're going to need to find a way to get him the touches where paying him is going to be worth the money, they might be messing around with this as a long-term idea. Um, and in that sense, and I'm sorry, I know this is a little long-winded, but in that sense, a blowout game like this could be really good for the Browns. On a lot of levels, it's going to allow them to get Beckham off, which they want to do. Or they want to win a game, but they want to get Odell Beckham off. They want to get him hot. They want to get some damn highlights up. They want to excite the fan base. They want to get Odell's blood pumping. Uh, and I think they're going to do that this week. But they can also make sure Hunt Chubb gets his touches. But if this game goes the way it should go, if Vegas is right about the differential, even if Miami scores more, Cleveland can score more too, I feel like Hunt has a better than 50% chance to A, pay off at his salary. But if this game goes big, if Cleveland blows him out and scores a bunch of points... The second half, or at least the last third of the game, could sort of belong to Hunt. And, you know, in that he catches a fair amount of passes, uh, I'm interested. I'm going to probably have... I'm going to say my floor for Hunt exposure is probably going to be about 25% this week. And it may be closer to 50 uh, I like him that much at his price. And I'm, again, not afraid to play him with Chubb. And probably what I'm going to do, for the most part, is split them and have one of these Cleveland backs in my lineup. Because I, I, I'm, I'm struggling finding scenarios where one of these Cleveland backs doesn't have a big game. Um, and there's no reason Beckham and one of the backs can't have a big game. Uh, again, the fly in the ointment could be the Landry revenge game, I think particularly for the backs. Hopefully that doesn't happen. And obviously one way to cover your ass on that is to build, um, you know, a Landry lineup or two. Um, I don't know if I'm going to have the time, patience, and cash to do that many lineups this week. We'll see. Um, Okay. All right. Panthers at Saints. Now, this is another important game. Um, You know, the problem for me in this game is that everybody I want is just priced too damn high. Uh, this game could be a slow game. It could be a low play total game. It could be a low touch game 
uh, in a relative sense. Now, obviously, McCaffrey gets a huge share, but at 10K in a game like this, I think it's really easy for him to play well and still come up short of expectation. So I'm, you know, I've paid the 10 5K for McCaffrey the last couple weeks, and it's been all right. I mean, it hasn't really helped me a ton, but it hasn't really hurt me. Um, maybe it hurt me a teensy bit, but I this week I feel like it could hurt me, and I'm probably not going to have a lot of McCaffrey. I may have no McCaffrey. Um, DJ Moore, 6,400 in this game, I think he has some merit. Samuel at 5,400, I think he has some merit. Uh, Olsen at 4,100, I'm not touching. Um, both of the defenses in this game, I think, have merit. Um, Panthers, because they're so cheap. Saints, because they're so good. Um, and then on the Saints side, obviously, there's a lot of points we can chase after. The question is, do we want to pay up for it? Um, I like Alvin Kamara. I think he's in the discussion at 8,200 because the matchup is very good on the ground. But here's the problem. Th- you know, think this game through. Play the tape all the way to the end. If Vegas is right, and this game is a blowout in the Saints' direction, at what point does does Kamara turn into Latavius Murray? That could be a problem. Like, we could be headed towards a smash day, 20 DraftKings points at the half, and then Kamara finishes with 24. And at 8,200, 8, that doesn't really pay the bills. So, you know, I... I I mean, it's not gonna hurt you, but you know, I, you know, I can see that scenario. And what if it's not twenty points? What if what if Kamara has a solid game going at the half, and then it's a three point, uh, a three score game halfway through the third quarter? You know, the problem is the Saints aren't losing enough against a weak run team like the Panthers. By you know, they put Murray in there. In some senses, it's almost better because you go to the big back. So that's one thing that concerns me. I love Kamara's matchup, and I think he's a good GPP play, but I'm worried about the Murray factor, and in cash, I think that's gonna, uh, it's going to keep him out of my lineup. Um, Michael Thomas, obviously going to have a big week. Um, excuse me, a big you know game. He's going to be targeted heavily, uh, but Bradbury does lower expectation a little bit. Um, and I think the fact that this game is going to be squeezed time-wise, I don't think we're going to have a lot of plays. Um, again, divisional opponents, coaching staffs that are very familiar with each other here. Uh, so there can be a feeling-out process in these games, too, where sometimes the game doesn't really get going until the second quarter. Um, so I'm sure Thomas is going to play well. He's a seasonal lock. Uh, I don't know how much exposure I'm going to have to him this week just because of, again, divisional game, potential slow pace, and just a huge price tag. So, you know, Michael Thomas needs to hit 30 points to pay off. You know, that's, I'm not sure how he really gets there. Um, and, you know, again, we want him to, to, to more than pay off. So uh, I, I don't see many avenues to Michael Thomas having the big, huge monster game here. Good game, but not monster. Um, okay, now we're <laughs> to the game I sort of dread <laughs> because I, you know, I'm always I'm always get a little weird when I'm talking about the Jets and fantasy. But in this case, you got to do it because this game, this game just works right. Um, the Raiders defend the run better than the pass. The Jets defend the run and they don't defend the pass. <laughs> so I mean, this game is just set up. Um, to be a throwing game, right? And when you look at it, Gruden's a good coach, okay? He can he can look at the film and understand that the Jets are a team you attack through the air. I don't think the Raiders are going to come in and try to win on the ground, though I do think they will run. I'm not saying they're going to come in and just be pass-happy because I think Jacobs' ability to run on the Jets is probably a little underrated. Uh, in fact, I think Jacobs in a GPP, for those of you who like to grab low-owned players with talent, uh, and go against the grain. I think it's really not a bad way to go. Um, the Jets are good against the run, but they're undisciplined. You can hit big plays on the Jets, and and uh, a guy like Jacobs who can break some tackles, who's very patient, he's the kind of guy who could succeed against the Jets. But um, he could also have a rough day. Jets do defend the run well. There's no doubt about that. Um, and I do definitely looking to to roster the pass catchers uh, in this game. 
the, the reason I bring up Jacobs uh, is just because I think he's such a good player. Um, he's a guy I think I was too low on him. I, I should have been a little bit higher on him coming out. Very impressed with his patience, particularly his patience in the hole. Um, and it would I, I'm surprised the Raiders aren't using him more in the passing game. Now, um, one of the things I really think would work this week, and you know, let's see if they do this, because the Jets are, are hyper-aggressive defensively. They're going to come after the quarterback. If, and you know, it's possible that the Jets are looking at film and saying, you know, they're really not throwing to Jacobs. If the, if the Raiders set up some screen game stuff for Jacobs this week, it could lead to huge plays. Um, so you know, if Jacobs kills it in the screen game this week, you know where you heard it. Unfortunately, there's no way to predict it because we don't have any predictable usage in the pass game for him. Um, but anyway, it's really the pass catchers here that uh, that we want to talk about. So let's get into that. And I know some of you are going to be like, Pete, Le'Veon Bell's a pass catcher. Uh, and by the way, I think Bell's a decent play in this game. If you trust him to stay healthy, um, I think, you know, last week's low uh, output, you know, he only played about 50% of the snaps. He's still got plenty of touches. Uh, so I think Bell will probably be a bigger factor this week. His cost is inviting. Um, and, you know, really, I have no qualms with anybody playing Le'Veon Bell this week. I haven't really looked at him in any of my lineups because uh, I've just I've been on other ideas. Uh, and I, just, I like different parts of the Jet offense, and the Raiders are decent uh, against the run. So, but, but really, uh, you, know, you know, the problem with Le'Veon, now that we're on, now that I'm sitting here talking about it, I just... It's not his fault, but the Jets are not putting him in position to make, you know, uh, you know, big scoring plays. Um, they're not hitting him with passes in the red zone, and they're not they're not setting up, you know, big plays where they're getting him into the second level. He's really having to fight for everything, um, and he's sort of a touch based play, and it shouldn't be that way. But that's just sort sort of what it's morphed into, um, and that can change. The Jets need to get the offense rolling. Um, and I don't know, maybe, maybe this is a week where it can happen, but Bell is priced down and I think he's viable because he's going to catch passes and all of that stuff. Um, but in this game, I really feel like you legit, and obviously we say funnel defense, there's no such thing as a funnel defense, obviously. I think sometimes we have to just sort of like stop and remind people that this funnel defense thing is, it's a fantasy term, it's not a football term. Uh, I actually had a guy, I'm bringing this up because I had a guy ask me on Twitter like, what does the funnel defense look like? I'm like, dude, it's not, it's not an actual funnel. Um, it, when we say funnel defense, for those who maybe don't know what we're talking about, it just means when a team is going to obviously be smarter to attack the defensive backfield versus the front seven. It's just when defenses do one thing clearly better than another. When it when you can't throw on a team but you can run, they're a run funnel. When you can't run but you can pass, it becomes a pass funnel. It's not much more complex than that. Um, but sometimes, you know, you put it in bold and italicized. Sometimes it's like, this really is a pass funnel. Um, and the Jets are one of those teams. The Jets are legitimately a pass funnel for fantasy purposes. Um, if, you know, only a dumb team would come in and try to run the Jets off the field. It just doesn't make sense. The only way you try to beat the Jets with a run game is if you can't pass. And even then you should try. <laughs> you really should. Um, so in this case, the Raiders can defend uh, pretty well, pass protect, excuse me, pretty well. Uh, the Jets will be aggressive. They'll get to Carr here and there, but they're going to come up short more often than not, which is going to give them shots at the Jets' defense downfield. So I really like... Tyrell Williams this week at 5,900 units. I know a lot of people are like, the touchdowns have dried up. You know, he's got like a seven-target ceiling. He's not that exciting. You know what? You're right. It's true. In this game, I urge you to consider him to be Darius Slayton or Golden Tate. You know, those guys are not world beaters either. They're just good. But in, in this matchup with the Jets, Tyrell Williams is going to have a chance to have his first multiple-score game. Now, he may end up just... 70 and no touchdowns, but it's out there for him this week. And if the Raiders don't target him downfield, they're out of their minds. Um, on the other side of that coin um, is Hunter Renfro. Now, I wouldn't put Tyrell and Renfro in a lineup, but I think um, in cash, in certain GPPs, when you're just like, man, I need a solid four, floor play at 4,500, I think Renfro is a solid floor play. The Jets don't cover well. They don't cover anybody well. They don't cover speed well. They definitely don't cover technical route runners very well. And certainly Renfro is all of that, and he catches everything. Doesn't have a lot of ceiling. Is not a deep threat. 
is a little bit of a red zone threat. So, I, you know, Renfro at 4,500, horses for courses kind of play. Waller always in play at 5,700 units. The thing, and I've mentioned this before, tight ends, the Jets don't, like, shut down tight ends because of Jamal Adams. It's sort of a misnomer. But what happens is, when they start leaking... Adams is the way they stop the leak. So if Tyrell Williams, you know, excuse me, if Waller comes out and he's kicking the Jets' ass in the first half and he puts up 10 DK points, there's a good chance he's only going to put up a couple more because they will put Adams on and say, dude, shut this guy down, and he will. Um, so that's, in my experience, and, I, you know, it's a little bit touchy-feely, I know, but that's sort of the way the Jets have have rolled with him. They don't shadow with him they don't give him a job necessarily to shut a particular guy down but when it gets out of hand they switch during the game um so you know waller's a good play i just don't think he's a slate breaker if that makes sense um so that 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 pretty much does it for this game with the exception of the quarterbacks i'm more on the darnold side here because Mostly, I just think Darnold's better, and I've watched these guys the last couple weeks. I think Darnold is more aggressive. I just think his his makeup is more win you the GPP than Carr. Carr is help you cash, <laughs> and, 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 and Darnold is, you know, help you go to the top of the leaderboard kind of thing. Uh, Darnold is also crash your lineup and kill you and burn you. I mean, he does it both. Uh, but in this game, I feel like the odds on somebody hitting downfield passes uh, and long bombs... It's better on the Jet side. Um, and then the Jet receivers, um, I think they're all in play. Really, and I mean all of them. The guys I'm most interested in because of cost are Robbie at 4,800, who isn't getting the volume, no doubt. But in this game, he fits. So, now, can we count on the Jets to do what's right? No. In fact, we can almost count on them to do what's wrong. But only a moron would not feature Robbie Anderson in this game. I'm not saying it's the whole game plan, but... I would be surprised if Robbie Anderson wasn't more featured in this game than he has been all year. So we'll see. And he's at 4,800 units in a smash spot. So I think, you know, if you wanted to have more Crowder exposure, I can understand that. You're going to pay more for it, though. Um, And in GPPs, I'd rather just go for the ceiling. Uh, And then the other guy, I think, and you can play Demarius Thomas, by the way, if you want to save money. I don't think he's got a ton of ceiling. Um... But I think uh, Ryan Griffin at tight end is now pretty much running unopposed unless we something changes, and there's no reason to think it's going to change this week. Obviously, Oakland's a pretty good tight end matchup. Um, so there's a lot of ways to play this game. There's a lot of guys who I think are viable. Um, and really, this is one of those games where, if, if you believe me, and, you know, I think this game is going to... I think it's going to hit the over. I think both offenses are going to be better than expected. Um, and I think you can sort of stack up this game and then fit in good pieces, um, you know, with what you don't use. Uh, so, you know, you play Darnold and Robbie and Griffin, come back with Tyrell on the other side. Uh, maybe you play Darnold and Crowder and come back with Renfro on the other side because you use some other high-cost guys. There's a lot of ways to flex this game uh, into a lineup with other strong players. Um, so I would encourage you to do that. Um Okay, three more games left. None of them a ton of fun. Let's um, start off with Lions at Washington. <laughs> Talk about fun. Um, Driscoll and Haskins. I mean, gosh, you can't even go to the bathroom during that game. you got to catch every snap. Um, it, Driscoll actually saved my ass last week. I think the fact that I went with him in cash might have been the thing that got me over the top. Uh, problem is he's priced up to 5500 this week. Uh, there's definitely things I like more. Uh, the, the only thing on the Detroit side that really is catching my eye is Galladay at 66. I think he is definitely worth some tournament exposure at that number. Uh, not sure about cash, though. Um, I mean, I guess you could, but I don't know. Um, on the other side, McLaurin at 6K. I, I, I mean, you guys know how much I love McLaurin, but, you know, they, they fucked up. I mean, they got rid of the coach when they should have got rid of the GM and the owner. <laughs> Um, not that the coach was great, but, you know, he could scheme the pass game. They're not even trying to now. Uh, it's just really ham and eggs, basic stuff. So, I don't know. I, I just, you know, at 6K, McLaurin, maybe he hits. But, you know, they're not giving him cracks for the big game. You know, he'll make the big play, 
but they're not giving him enough juice to, to really, unless he just hits everything they throw at him, the big game's going to be tough. So I'm not using McLaurin, even though he's awesome. Um, the, the guy on that side, and you know if you read my column this morning, is Geis. I think Geis is a play. It's a little bit of a gut thing, I admit, but it, it's they are at that point where why would you not find out what you have? you got a good ground matchup, you're home, the fans are there, everybody wants to see this guy. It makes sense that the organization would want to see this guy. He wants to play. Peterson is banged up. Thompson's coming back from an injury. You know, getting Geis... 15 to 20 touches in this game. It just seems logical to me. Um, and at 4,700 units, I'll, I'll, I'll sign for 15 right now. He should pay off at that number. That's really all I'm saying here. Uh, I think he's a good way to get some upside in your lineup at a reasonable number that he should pay off at. And if you catch a break, maybe you get a little upside. Um, so I'm, I'm probably going to have... But I don't know what I said this morning. We're probably like 25% exposure to guys, something like that. Um, and again, 4,700 for a running back. So I mean, I don't. We don't need this guy to be a world beater. You know, if he just does what he did against the Jets last week, we'd be happy. Um, but this matchup allows for that and more. Uh, and again, last week against the Jets, I mean, he was only out there not even a third of the time. Uh, so he did it in a very small amount of playing time. I think they double that this week. Um, okay. So that, that really does it for for uh, Lions-Redskins. Not a ton there that I like. I am not touching Scarborough uh, in this matchup. Don't like it at all. Um, if you guys didn't catch the tweet I sent out, uh, Detroit's down their center who can play. That guy's good. Uh, so there were, I didn't have a lot of reasons to play Scarborough. Now I have a reason I don't want to play him. That's all I was looking for. Just get him off my, ta- get him off my plate. Um uh, down to Jaguars, Titans. I am fading Fournette. You can make an argument for him, though. So if you're into Fournette, go for it. I'm not. Uh, Shark, I think, is a good GPP play this week, although the Titans are going to definitely try to shut him down somehow. They're going to give help on him. Conley, I think, is a nice pivot off of him, and you get him at 41. I think Conley is a play you could make in cash games to save money. He'll get you something. Nothing exciting about him, but... You know, I mean, he does have some ceiling, and he's going to have the better matchup. So, uh, you know, those guys, I think, are in play. There's nothing else on Jacksonville I'm touching. Um, And then on the other side, I'm not interested in anything on Tennessee except for Derrick Henry at 6,900, the nice price. But let's, let's, you know, there's no doubt Henry's a good play in this game. It all lines up, and I'm going to be using him in some GPPs. I don't, I can't see my way to do it in cash. Because even if he goes over 100 yards, it's not enough in cash. I need the touchdowns. Um, so listen, Henry's got 200-yard, three or four touchdown potential in this game. He could score 50 DraftKings points. But it's equally likely that he scores 15. So just, you know, uh, or less. So remember that, okay? Um, I think he's a good play this week. I think he's better off as sort of a piece of your GPP puzzle. Um, that's the way I'm using him. Um, I mean, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'll find some lineup construction where it's like, well, if I could just use Henry here, this cash lineup looks great. I don't know. Maybe I'll do something stupid, but I don't think he's good for cash. Um, just because he doesn't catch any passes. If the, if Jacksonville comes in and flips the script on this game, you're screwed if you're using him in cash. Um, so, you know, hey, do what you're going to do. Uh, I definitely want to get involved with Derrick Henry this week, but I want to sort of do it on my own terms. Um, and, in fairness, I'm saying this from a perspective where I have not built my cash lineup yet. I've got like three or four. They're all sort of different. And I'm like, how can I have three or four different cash lineups? I need to figure out which one's best. And I'm not there yet. Um, there's nothing worse than having a bunch of cash lineups you like. Because I need to figure out one, you know. Um, I'm not a big believer in having more than one cash lineup. Although, as I told you guys last week, and this is something that's been working and I'm almost... I, I need to stop doing it as much as I do, but now when I feel like my GPP lineup is really super strong, I'll, I'll throw it in a multi-entry GPP that pays off the entry fee for the for the GPP. Um, did I say that right? A multi-entry 50-50 is what I meant to say. Um, and I have... It's like 70% of the times I've done it so far, it's worked, where the GPP doesn't cash, but the 50-50 does... And it nullifies the whole thing. It's like I didn't play anything. Um, you know, it's something I've been toying with. It's been working. But I have to say, it's it's probably not the greatest thing to do. But I think it's, it's a good idea when you really love your cash. Excuse me. It's a really good idea 
if you've got tournaments to put it in that you like and you really like that GPP lineup and your biggest fear is that somehow it just doesn't quite hit the GPP cash line. Um, those are decent situations to throw it into a, you know, like if it's a $10 GPP, you throw it into a, you throw a $5 50-50 in and you could sort of nullify the bad scenario. Of course, if everything goes bad, then you lose even more money. Let's let's not forget that that's a factor too. Um, okay, so that's really it for me on Jacksonville, Tennessee. Um, and now the one game we have left, and I know you all know which game it is, and it's really a compelling game. And I sort of like the Patriots' defense for what it's worth. I've I've paid up for them at thirty three hundred units a couple times because I think this is the kind of team that can give Dak trouble. I mean, I'm a big fan of Dak, and I, I'm impressed to hell with the way he's playing this year. And we saw it starting to happen last year. He's beginning to get a feel for these extended reads. He's making more plays when he has to get deeper into his reads, and it's wonderful to see because it means he's turning into a big-time player, um, which is great. We like Dak. Uh, but this is going to be a test for him because the Patriots, <laughs> as we saw with Sam Darnold, they are a team that makes you see ghosts. And... It, it, it's not so much that your offensive line is causing it, although in Darnold's case, certainly it was. Um, what the Patriots do is they show you one thing and it ends up being something else, and they do it in multiple spots on the field. So uh, it would not shock me if Dak threw a couple picks in this game. Wouldn't shock me. And I think this game could really go either way. I, I'm surprised Dallas is so much of an underdog here. Uh, but, uh, you know... There's obviously a ton of talent in this game. There's not a whole lot I want to play. Uh, on the Dallas side, Zeke is somewhat interesting to me at 7,500. Sort of a go-against-the-flow kind of play. Go-with-the-volume kind of play. Um, Dak, sort of interesting in GPPs. I'm not touching Brady in this game. Uh, Edelman, as a floor play at the nice price, 6,900. I think he's going to have a good game, but it's not easy to pay off at that number um, when you're not a big touchdown guy and Edelman's not. Um, Sony Michelle at 4,600. Now, I've been talking bad on Sony, and I'm not about to say anything good about him here, but if he's got the goal line role in this game, if the Patriots can turn over Prescott, create some short fields, Sony could score some touchdowns in this game, and it might be worth taking a GPP chance on that at 4,600 units. You could create... A compelling scenario for yourself. Obviously, you are risking lighting that money on fire. There's no doubt about that. Um, for the bold, I think Burkhead in the GPP, he could be a big factor in a game like this. Um, obviously, he's got bust potential written all over him, but this is the kind of game where the Patriots will use him more because they need to find compelling ways to crack this defense open, and Burkhead has that skill set because he can do so many different things. They don't know what he is uh, when he's in the huddle, and that's a great quality. Um, another guy in this game on the Patriots side I think is compelling is Watson at 3,100 um, with so many injuries to the receivers with Sanu. You know, if Sanu plays, he's not going to be able to do anything. Dorsett, it looks like he's out. Harry, we don't know about. We'll get to him in a second. I think Watson will pay off at 3,100 units. He's not going to help you win a slate unless he scores a touchdown somehow, or two if he gets lucky. But I think Watson catching four for 44, which will, you know, that about pays off at 3,100. Um, I think that's probable, because Brady trusts him, they know what they're doing, he knows the scheme, and the Patriots need to find places to throw the football tonight. I mean, who are we kidding, right? They need places to throw the football, which is where Harry comes into play. Uh, caught a couple balls last week, 3,300 units. Uh... You know, obviously he's the rookie. The Patriots don't roll that way, though. They're not They're not going to be like, let's see if we can get Harry some stats this week. That's not going to happen. It's, can we help? Can he help us win the game? And maybe he can. I mean, Dallas is a tough perimeter matchup, but if this guy's going to get volume at 3,300 units, and again, Dorsett's out, um, you know, Gordon's gone, Sanu is out, uh, you know, Harry might see seven, eight targets in this game, you know? And at 3,300 units, I'm buying seven targets from Tom Brady. So Harry, I think, is in play really as a cash option, as just a buy-down to create a great lineup, or as sort of an outside move in GPP, where he obviously saves you a ton of money, he's liberating in terms of lineup construction, and would it shock us if Canale Harry caught a couple touchdowns? Wouldn't shock me. 
Um, so I think he's out there. Now, you don't want to build your whole day around him because he could do nothing, but um, given everybody that's missing, you know, if Dorset was starting, I would be like, nah, I don't think I'm going to do this. But if Dorset's out, and he certainly, certainly appears that he is, um, Harry is worth some consideration. This is something I'm going to keep looking at him um, and doing, you know, looking at this from multiple angles. I've got a couple hours when I'm done with this podcast once I'm done with the rankings. Um, and Hackett and I will probably talk about this a little bit on the show tomorrow. Um, and if I end up doing a supplemental pod tomorrow morning, the flash pod, as I said uh, on my tweet, uh, he's probably a guy I'll get into a little bit. Uh, and that's going to do it for the slate walk. Um, and really, I don't have like a hot list right now. Um, obviously, I think Evans is very much in my plans. The Atlanta Big Two are very much in my plans. Um, Wilson and DK, that stack is very much in my plans. Philip Lindsay is a guy I'm looking at to get into some lineups. Uh, Goddard is going to be heavy in my plans. Um, I think the Miami receivers are, 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 are guys I'm going to be looking at. I don't know how much of them I'm going to use. The, the, the Browns, very much. Odell Beckham. Hunt, very much in my plans. Uh, the Jet Raiders game, very much in my plans. And, and that's sort of where I'm at right now. And now I'm going to start building lineups. Uh, so hopefully this long-winded, <laughs> hour-long uh, chat did something for you guys. Hopefully uh, you're a little bit more tight on what this slate is. Um, the, the thing I would just impress upon you is that it's a tough slate. Look at these Vegas numbers. They don't expect a lot of offense. So if you're sitting there looking at your lineups and like, man, I, these don't feel like monster scoring lineups like they normally do, well, you're not alone, okay? Um, the one thing you don't want to get caught into is lowering your own standards, though. Don't assume that the cash line's going to be low. Like, we still want to aim high. We still want to fight and claw and find as much floor that gives us some ceiling, too, as we can find. Uh, the rules haven't changed. The game hasn't changed. Uh, I just don't want you to get frustrated because some of these lineups aren't going to look as hot as they normally do. Um, and it's going to be the same for everybody. Just remember that. Uh, and what we want to do is find some ways to security and safety. Uh, and if I find any more, uh, I'll, I'll talk about it and do a pod tomorrow. Um, but again, the, the places that I see the most safety this week are in that Jets Raiders game, in the Cleveland half of the Miami Cleveland game. Tampa, Atlanta, Seattle, Philly, uh, and then, you know, might dick around a little bit with Carolina Saints. That's really where most of my action is going to come from. Uh, and then we've talked about some of the other sort of disparate parts that might get involved. Um, so that's going to do it for the Rotobomb podcast for DFS for week 12. Uh, hopefully I make some progress and I see you guys tomorrow morning. If not, uh, hopefully some of you will listen to the Fantasy Football Hour. Um, and if I don't see you, I will definitely see you on the waiver wire next week. And then after that, we got a crazy week. I will be doing uh, a podcast for the Thanksgiving slate. Jim and Hackett and I are going to be doing a three-hour Thanksgiving show. Uh, and then obviously we'll roll all the other good stuff in for the weekend slate. So, whew, got a wild 10 days coming up. I'm going to be getting some rest tonight. Uh, and uh, I'm really looking forward to it. I'm, I'm amped up. So hopefully you guys are too. Uh, so uh, see you guys tomorrow. And... Uh, Get some rest, make those lineups, and uh, let's make some money.